0: Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us.
1: If you knew that the Lord Jesus was going to return here tomorrow afternoon and bring an end to the world that you see and that you understand and that you participate in right now, If you knew that that was the case, if you were aware, if you were informed that he was going to arrive, and you had every reason to believe that he truly was, it was clear, it was definitely a truth that had been revealed by the living God himself, how would that change your life? How would that change your perspective? In what way would you change the way that you are living now if you had the expectation, if you had the knowledge that he would arrive tomorrow afternoon? What would you do with your time? How would you spend the remaining hours that were at your disposal before the Lord would return? What would you really do with your time? Would you just simply continue in your daily life right now and not think anything of it and just wait with great expectation of his arrival? Would you just go outside and look out into the heavens and wait patiently for his arrival so that you can witness his arrival personally in that way? Would you perhaps roam up and down the streets proclaiming to everyone who could possibly hear you that the Lord Jesus was returning and that they had better repent right now and believe in him as the Messiah because time is up. They either believe it now or they can just simply go to hell. Is that what you would do? What would you really do? Would you get on the telephone and call all of your friends and family and other people who were close to you? and tell them that they needed to believe in the Lord Jesus, you would want them to hear the gospel because this was their last chance to hear it? Is that what you would do with your time? What would you do with your assets? What would you do with the possessions that you have? This would be an important concern, especially if you had many possessions, if you had many assets. Think about that for a moment. The Lord Jesus is about to return, and he's going to see you with all of this wealth that you have accumulated throughout your life. And he may look at this wealth and he might think something to the effect of, why didn't you use this in order to propagate or proclaim my message of the gospel so that people could be set free and enter into the kingdom of heaven? Is that what he's going to be thinking? Is that how he's going to look at you and perhaps even ridicule you because you were not a good steward from his perspective with the things that he blessed you with? Is that something that you would be thinking of, especially if you knew that he was going to be returning Very soon, would you be worried or concerned about how he would be looking at you as a child of God, as someone who was given the message of the gospel? Were you a good steward of it? Were you really someone who truly believed what he said, and did you really live your life in accordance with that truth that he had revealed to you? Are you going to be evaluated on that basis? And if he's going to arrive tomorrow afternoon, you're not going to have any time to liquidate many of these assets that you have and make use of them effectively and so that the value of these assets can be used in order to provide people with what they need so that they can have the freedom in terms of time to be able to go out and tell other people about the Lord Jesus. You won't have any time for that anymore. It'll be over. That opportunity will have come and gone, and you would not have taken advantage of the opportunity when it was presented to you. Is that what he's going to be thinking? I personally don't think that that's what he's going to be thinking. I don't think that that's something that he's going to be concerned about. I really don't. I don't think that he's going to evaluate us and he's going to punish us or bless us based on what we chose to do with those things that we had to include the assets, the physical possessions that we could have on this earth or the time that we might have at our disposal. I honestly don't think that we'll have that kind of an appraisal to look at what we had done and then decide whether or not we are going to experience blessings or perhaps cursings. I don't think that that's going to take place. I do believe that there will be an appraisal with regards to how we trusted and depended on the Lord Jesus in terms of our own heart, but personally I don't anticipate that I will be judged on the basis of the activities of my flesh, but instead those issues concerning my heart and my spirit and how did I really turn to Him and live in dependency and in trust on the living God. Now fortunately I'm not the one who's going to be making these decisions. I know that He will be making these decisions and how He judges things or how He appraises things. I will look forward to seeing just what he does and what he thinks and how he executes those things, just as anyone else will. I certainly am not going to be preoccupied with this, and I'm certainly not going to encourage you or anybody else to really be concerned about it. Instead, what I want you to see is that what we really believe will have a dramatic effect on our life. And this certainly was the case in the early church, because towards the end of Acts chapter 4, what we have is we have a description of what the early church did through this belief. It was widely believed in the early church that the return of the Lord Jesus was imminent, that he was going to be coming back. He did tell his disciples that he was going to be coming back, and so why would they think that he was going to be coming back thousands of years later? It would make perfect sense for them to make the assumption That he was going to be returning in their lifetime so that they would be able to witness his return, experience the benefit of his return, and experience the coming of the kingdom of heaven or the coming of the kingdom of God that would come upon the return of the Messiah. It would make perfect sense that the Lord Jesus was referring to the time period that they were in in their lifetime. For them to think otherwise, I think would be very interesting and would reflect a significant amount of maturity and understanding in their hearts and in their lives, but I don't see that being the case. At the end of Acts chapter 4, what we do have is we have a description of the people giving their possessions to the apostles, that they sold their possessions and they gave the proceeds to the apostles and so that the apostles would have the resources that they would need in order to use their time effectively. And instead of using their time trying to labor in order to make a living, they could then use their time in order to labor for the gospel so that they could go out and tell other people about the gospel and be effective in that way by communicating the message of the living God. That was what was taking place in the early church at the end of Acts chapter 4. That people were coming forward and providing resources to the apostles so that they could reach out to other people. Now the resources that were given were distributed to others as well, to those who did have a need. Those resources were also distributed to them. But the primary purpose of the apostles was not to go out and hand out resources to people who had the need for them. That was not the role of the Apostles. They did do some of that, certainly, but their primary mission, their primary objective, the mission that had been given to them, was to go forward and proclaim the Gospel, and resources in order to accomplish that are extremely useful, very valuable, to provide people with an opportunity to do that so that they can free up their own time from having to do other things that are not directly related to the communication of the Gospel. But now, just because the early church did that, does not mean that we have to do that in this time in history. That does not mean that, certainly, the Lord Jesus did not come during the time that they expected him to come, and today people are expecting him to come, and yet he still may not arrive in the time era that we are in. We may not see him in our lifetime return here. We may actually physically die just like everyone else before us, and it could be several generations still before the Lord Jesus returns. And so to make an assumption like that, and then to pass judgment on other people if they do not give all of their possessions, to do that is making a significant assumption about the return of the Lord Jesus, and it also makes a significant assumption about how he would want us to use the resources and the assets that we have at our disposal, And I think that these assumptions should not be made. I do not believe that we should be speculating on these things. Instead, I sincerely want to encourage you and everyone else, especially when the subject comes up, I always encourage people to really consider listening to the Holy Spirit themselves and be directed by the living God themselves because that's what he is doing in our lives right now to be attentive to him and let him guide you and let him lead you and be convinced in your own mind and be convinced by the word of God to you. I don't mean the word of God in terms of what we read and say that we have to live like these people lived. But instead, you should be sensitive to the spirit of the Lord and he will speak to you directly and personally. And I personally believe that he is not dysfunctional and he's fully capable of making whatever he wants to make known to you very clear, that he will make it clear if he wants you to know it. You will not have any confusion or any uncertainty with regards to what the Lord would want you to do with regards to your assets or your time. He will make it clear. And so if you have any uncertainty, then chances are he may not be saying anything to you. That may be the case. And so you should just simply consider that and be attentive to Him, and ask Him to make things clear to you, and then be convinced, and then act on that with great certainty and with great conviction, and so that you can do so knowing full well that regardless of what the outcome is, regardless of what happens as a result of your choices and decisions, that you can trust that the living God is behind you, and you can be at peace, and you can be at rest, regardless of what occurs through the decisions that you make. It is my personal opinion based on what I see in the scriptures that the people responded this way because they did anticipate the imminent return of the Lord Jesus. And they did not want the Lord Jesus to return to see them holding on to things that could have been used in order to tell other people about him. I personally believe that that was their motive, even though we don't know what their motive really was because the scriptures do not say what their motive was. But based on what I understand about the previous chapters, the things that the Lord Jesus said to them when he was conducting his ministry, and what the apostles believed and understood at this time in the development of the church, I personally believe that that was what was taking place. But then as you continue to read into Acts chapter 5, you see a very unique circumstance. You see a very interesting situation where it looks like there is some divine intervention into the early church in order to exaggerate the importance or to show the importance of what they were doing, and show the importance of being sincere and being true and being honest, not just with the apostles, but with themselves and with the Lord, the God that they were wanting to serve. Beginning in Acts chapter 5, verse 1, we have the description of what took place in the church with regards to Ananias and his wife Sapphira when they sold a piece of property. This is described beginning in Acts chapter 5, verse 1, where it says, But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge. And bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And as he heard these words, Ananias fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came over all who heard of it. The young men got up and covered him up, and after carrying him out, they buried him. Now there elapsed an interval of about three hours, and his wife came in not knowing what had happened. And Peter responded to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for such and such a price. And she said, Yes, that was the price. Then Peter said to her, Why is it that you have agreed together to put the Spirit of the Lord to the test? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. And immediately she fell at his feet and breathed her last, and the young men came in and found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her, beside her husband and great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard of these things now what happened in this event what really took place was it the lord's decision to actually execute them was it a divine moment was this really the living god intervening in the lives of the people in the church definitely intervening in the lives of Ananias and Sapphira was it really him who caused them to die did he actually Kill them. Is that what we have described here? Do we have the description of the Lord killing these two people because they lied? Is that what happened? Well, in looking at these verses, I personally do not believe that there is enough evidence to say that the Lord Himself did kill these two people. I don't think that there's enough evidence to actually prove that, in fact, He did kill them, that He did execute them on the spot because of their dishonesty. I don't see enough evidence to really say that with deep conviction. So there really are only a few possibilities. The first possibility is is that either he did do that, and we don't have enough evidence to really prove it. That certainly is a possibility. Or another possibility was that it was a natural occurrence. It could have been a natural experience that they just simply died because of the trauma of the exposure that they were confronted with when it was discovered that they were being dishonest that could certainly have been a possibility. It could have been that they just simply had a heart attack because of the stress and because of the exposure that they underwent when Peter spoke to them about their dishonesty. They may have been so surprised, they may have been under so much stress and pressure as it was due to other circumstances in their life that their heart gave out and they just simply died. However, when I consider this possibility, it's very difficult for me to really consider it seriously Because it wasn't just a matter of one person dying. It wasn't just Ananias who died, but it was also Sapphira. There were two people who died. It's very similar to what Darwin said about the theory of evolution that he came up with. When he came up with the theory of evolution and described it in his book, The Origin of Species, he actually said in his book that when he considered the complexities of the human eye and how complex the human eye really is the chromatic aberrations and its ability to focus. The human eye truly is so complex that when he considered it, he thought that the suggestion that this developed as a result of natural selection or evolution, he said, was absolutely absurd in the highest degree. That's a direct quote. However, he then followed it up by saying that given enough time, it could possibly happen. And if you were to consider the theory of evolution, it's possible, yeah, maybe, maybe if you were given enough time, there would certainly have to be a lot of time available, but if you were given enough time, it's possible, maybe possible, I don't believe it really is, but I'm willing to entertain the thought, at least for a moment, that it could be possible that a human eye could develop in that way. Maybe it is possible, but that's not what we have. We have two of them. We have two of them, and that, I believe, would expand the computations of probability well beyond what would be absurd in the highest degree. And in addition to that, if those two eyes within an individual were to be perpetuated to their children, then that individual would need to engage in an interactive relationship with another person who also had two of them. And so we're not talking about just one eye, we're talking about four of them all evolving in the same time within the lifespan of two individuals so that they can engage with one another and have offspring who would also have two eyes of the same nature. When you consider something like that, the probabilities are just well beyond what is absurd in the highest degree. So likewise with this example, if you were to consider that two people died of a heart attack given this circumstance, I think that the probability would be relatively low that this was just simply a natural event that took place due to their heart conditions. I personally do not think that that would be the best explanation. And so the only real alternative, then, would be to assume that the living God actually took the time out of his busy day to kill these two people in order to make a point about not lying to him. To me, there is a little bit more evidence that that is what took place as opposed to a natural death that had occurred. But if this is what happened, then this opens up many new important questions. Some very important questions about how our God is really interacting with us and how he may intervene in our daily lives to the extent where he may even cut our lives short. Now, if this is the case, if it was a divine experience then we have to really consider why he would have done that, and we have to consider the implications of that. Because it's very easy, if this is the case, it's very easy for us to pass judgment on God and say, you know what, Lord, that was inappropriate. It's very easy to do that. It's very easy to say, you know what, being dishonest or bearing false witness or lying, especially about something like this, did not warrant such a dramatic reaction from you. That was a little bit too much. We believe that that was inappropriate because we don't think that the punishment needed to be that severe for the crime that they had committed. It's very easy for us to think that way. It's very easy for us to pass judgment on God and say that it really was an evil thing for him to do. People do do that. Don't underestimate this. There are many people who actually pass judgment on God because of the decisions that he has made in the past because of the things that he has said in the past, because of the things that he has done in the past. Many people will look into the scriptures and see the events that are described in the scriptures and pass judgment on God because of the things that he did, because of the ways that he intervened in the lives of people throughout this earth, especially when it came to cutting a person's life short. It's very common for people to look at wars that were endorsed by the Lord, It is very easy to look at many of the things that he said to other people and pass judgment on him, saying that that was inappropriate. And people will reject God because of that, or they will reject the God of the Bible and create a God in their own minds based on what they believe a God should be like, based on their personal opinions about how a God should behave in the world that he has created. And in that way, they create a God out of their own imagination who definitely is not the true and living God and as a result they may never know the true and living God and could easily just simply die and go to hell because they don't know him he doesn't know them and they have no place in the kingdom of heaven consider for example 1 Samuel chapter 15 verses 1 through 3 this is 1 Samuel chapter 15 verses 1 through 3 where it says then Samuel said to Saul the Lord sent me to anoint you as king over his people over Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, for he set himself against him on the way while he was coming up from Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all that he has, and do not spare him, but put to death both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, Camel and donkey. In other words, leave no one alive. Go out there, Saul, and attack these people and execute everyone. Kill everyone. Do not leave anything alive. No man, no woman is to be left alive. No child and infant, no child or infant is to be left alive. Not even any of the livestock are to be left alive. Completely wipe out everything that has to do with Amalek. Wipe out the entire nation, wipe out the entire culture. Now, when hearing something like that, it's very easy to pass judgment on God and say, you know what, Lord? That is inappropriate. It's very inappropriate to send people over to go and kill babies, children, women, even the men. It is inappropriate for you to suggest such a thing. But when we do that, we are passing judgment on God, and there are many things that we may not understand when passing that judgment. For example, the most important thing to keep in mind, I believe, especially when it comes to these passages in the scriptures, the most important thing to keep in mind is that he is God and you are not, and that this is his world, this is his earth, this is his creation, and the people who are here on this earth are his people, they are his creation, they are his possession, he owns them, and he can choose to do what he wants with what he has made. He has that liberty, he has that choice, and regardless of what you think about it, regardless of how you feel about it, it's not going to really make any difference at all to him, because he is the one who owns everything. It really is his possession. And if he decides to look at people who are here on this earth that he made, and he decides to take them out of this world before they get to experience a life like you have experienced life, or before they have had as many opportunities as you may have had in your life, before they have been able to live as long as the average person gets to live on this earth. If you want to pass judgment on him with regards to that, you need to understand something very important, and that is that this is not heaven. This is not heaven. This is something that he has created for us to enjoy and make use of. No question about that. And we certainly can enjoy and make use of this planet that he has made. We can enjoy the life that he has given to us. But the day is going to come when that's going to be over for everyone. The death rate is still one per person, and everyone will die and leave this world. And they will enter into eternity. There is an eternity that is well beyond this creation. And that is what we are to be thinking about. That is what we need to keep in mind is to understand that there is an eternity, there is a God, there is a heaven, there is a hell, and for us to think that this is heaven is to completely miss out on everything with regards to what our God truly is doing here and what he is doing with the people that he has created, what he is doing with the earth that he has made. This world will pass away. And for us to pass judgment on him with regards to how he manages it and how he handles it, I sincerely believe, is totally inappropriate. And you need to really consider if there is a God or not, if there really is one. Because if there is truly a God, then you should expect him to have this authority and you should expect him to be merciful enough to remove people from this world, which certainly is not heaven, and provide them with an opportunity to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You should expect that. And so don't pass judgment on him because certain people's lives are cut short, regardless of how young or how old they may be, because there are other things that he is doing here on this earth, and that's what you need to get in touch with. You need to understand. And so instead of passing judgment on him, you need to be asking the question, What is he really doing? What is his objective? Not yours or not the objectives of other people, but what is his objective? Why is he doing what he is doing? That's the most important thing to keep in mind. And I think that if you do consider that, I think that you will have a greater appreciation for his act of mercy by removing us at all, removing us from here and not allowing us to live here forever, but instead give us the privilege of experiencing him personally in his kingdom. Now, having said that, it's very important for me to also say that I do not believe that our God makes every decision with regards to who dies, when they die, and in what way that they die. I don't believe that. There are many people who do believe that, and as far as I'm concerned, that's okay. I won't argue with them over it. But I personally do not believe that. I do not believe that he makes that decision for everyone in all circumstances. While he certainly can do that, I don't see enough evidence to convince me of that, but because I am out of time for this broadcast, I will have to give an explanation with regards to what I do believe regarding this in the next broadcast.
0: You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations send your contributions to livinggodministries p.o. box 38353 colorado springs colorado 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net That is, livinggodministries.net